And welcome to Plan K, the Korean Drama Podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this week we're doing episodes 9 through 12 of K2. And this K drama is popping off. Like, these episodes are crazy. They were a little crazy. I felt like episode 9 was pretty slow. It was. I don't know. I, I felt like. These last couple of episodes, it was hard for me to gauge most of the drama because these these episodes are the ones that make me dislike Anna the most. Yeah. I just, She's very naive and rash and tries to play the game with all the adults who are so good at playing the game. And she's not good at it. She's such a kid. It's like, sit down. <laughs> you don't know sit what on you're, the bench. You don't know what you're doing. You're I feel like bringing it. It's, Freaking amateur game to the pro league. Yeah. To me, that scene where she's with the K2 and they're in a building that's being smoked out just exemplifies her whole role in these four episodes where she's like, I want to be with you. I want to be in the way. And he's like, no, that's a bad idea. You're holding me back. You're holding everyone back. You're holding the team back. And you're going to get yourself killed. And she's like, I don't care. He's like, that's really dumb. You should care. Like, that's problematic. This is the problem. This is the reason you can't stay, because you don't care if you're a problem. Yeah, you need to be able to make decisions for yourself, but you can't be trusted to do that, obviously. Yeah. I think what I miss as well through these episodes is I miss the victories, because I feel like there's so few victories in episodes 9 through 12. Well, that's deep. Yeah, the drama's really good. The drama is getting intense, but it's because they're having a hard time keeping their heads above water, like all the beloved characters. I count (laughs) Eugene as a beloved character, and she has a rough couple of episodes, so... Yeah, we really gotta break down all the drama that happens in these episodes, because it is hard to keep track. Yeah. So, um... If you want to jump into it, starting with episode 9, it is my favorite thing ever, that everyone is so freaked out by Anna acting like a human being. Yes! I don't blame them, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good comedy. Yeah. No one quite knows how to take it. Miran is, like, completely terrified. (laughs) Poor Miran. I mean, I guess she deserves everything she gets, but poor her. But yeah, I think the start of episode 9, isn't it like a full 25 minutes or so that's playing side by side the scene where Anna has breakfast with her guards and the scene where the K2 talks to Eugene in the mirror room in Cloud 9? Yeah, because he decides to have a real talk with her about how she's super murdery and he has a problem with it. Yeah. And so that's it- super heavy, and then, yeah, it's, it's backed up by these moments of her being, like, pseudo-normal and everyone trying to pretend like that's fine. 
Yeah. And I think I think kind of the biggest moment that you get out of the scene with Anna is when the male guard what's the male guard's number? J one, I think. Or is it J two? I put J two. I think it might be J two. Like, That's so close to K two. J two and K two. Alright. J two is like, um so we are really in danger right now and we're all gonna be murdered if anything happens to Anna and she's like, What? I've put you all in danger just by existing? And you're like, Yeah. You, that's kind of your existence. Like, I feel bad for you that you put that pressure on people, but it's surprising that you don't know that you have an effect on people. Yeah. I feel like with Anna, her character is really interesting because as we've stated a million times, we're not her biggest fans as a character. That said, she makes a lot of sense. I don't resent their writing of her because it makes sense that someone who was raised without a whole lot of affection and without a whole lot of actual consequences as far as, like, I don't know. It's never like she stole a candy bar from the convenience store and then she had a mom that, like, sat her down and told her why that was wrong. I don't know. Maybe that happened in her early years, but but her, most of her formative years were kind of a mess. So it makes sense that she doesn't really understand consequence and she doesn't really understand uh, how selfish she's being. The writing makes sense for that, but that said, it's real hard to get behind a character that's like, oh, everything I do could get all of you killed, and I never stopped to think about that. Yeah. Like you said, it's very understandable, but it makes me so mad that she's so naive. Yeah, she's a lot to handle. And at the same time, the K2 goes to talk to Eugene because he's pissed that she wouldn't let an ambulance save Anna. It's like that could have gotten to her so much more quickly than the time they had to drive all the way back to GSS headquarters. And she's like, she. I wrote that she jealous cries that he's in love with Anna and that Anna gets to be Rania. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm Rania too, if you think about it. Keiju is like, I think I get to decide who's Rania. Yeah. Because she was my fiance. Yeah, and obviously she's just trying to play that victim card because he's got a thing for victims. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. He used to not. Yeah, it's just super weird that uh, she decides to use that particular ammunition where she's decided that all victims are Rania, and she's also a victim, so she wants to be Rania. This is super unfair. Yeah, all victims are Rania, and the K2 has to love her because she's Rania. Yeah. Poor Eugen. She also has pretty uh, poor decision-making... I didn't, no, I shouldn't say that. She's got some of the best decision-making skills I've ever seen. She's just psychotic. She just picks the wrong men. Yeah. She always falls in love with the wrong man. He's got a victim thing. She's got a anyone who's not in love with her thing. Yeah. I just finished watching the episodes. <laughs> As we just said, we like to binge watch them just before the podcast. <laughs> and right at the very end of episode 12, she tells um, 
said June that he has to take her to the police station because it would look better for them, and they both have to go anyways. And she's like, and I, I want you to be next to me. And he's like, why, you don't feel safe? Do you want a bodyguard? I'll catch you there. He's and I'm such like, a jerk. Oh, he's such a jerk. <laughs> so June. Oh, your relationship is terrible. Yeah. They're such a mess. I can't quite handle, because the one thing that makes me feel bad for Eugene is that really she never asked for Sejun to just completely F her over. That was never in her cards, and she really did love him. And so that is the moment that I just always feel bad, is whenever they are interacting and she's just kind of laying it out. Yeah, I loved you, and yeah, I wish that we could be a supportive couple, but that ship has sailed. Yes. Uh... You did. I'm so sorry for your sad love life. During that conversation with the K2, uh, she says one of the coolest things. She says all of the coolest things. I love everything that comes out of her mouth. She's got some pretty rad <laughs> scripting. But uh, she says the child of a wolf is also a wolf, and Anna isn't the daughter of a lamb. So good. Um, Vicky, did they play that? Did they translate that song that talks about the wolf and the girl in the forest? Yes. Okay, because I've been watching it on Drama Fever, and I, for some reason, on Vicky, they put the subtitles for one of the songs that plays a lot for Eugene's character, and it's about a girl in a forest and, like, being tricked by a wolf, if I remember correctly. And I remember it very vividly because it's translated so much. Like, the lyrics are constantly on screen. Yeah, pretty like, much ad nauseum. <laughs> I wish you wouldn't. Yeah. I like that Drama Fever is like, it's a song. You can hear its beauty. You do not need to know what it's about. Yeah, like, I'm glad I know what it's about. I just wish it wasn't constantly translated. Yeah, maybe they should do it the first time, but not every time. Yeah. Or even the first time in an episode, because I'm pretty sure it plays three times an episode. <laughs> the lyrics, ah, uh, but yeah, I would I would recommend watching this drama half on Vicky and half on Drama Fever, so that you can learn the lyrics and be like, wow, what an impactful song, but then not have to deal with it anymore. Yeah, just hear the song from then on out instead of read the song. But I like the tie-in between that song and their conversation because they they really make Eugene out to be a wolf. And I'm like, oh, I just don't know if I believe it. Yeah. And, I mean, to the way they lay out Anna's character and how, I don't know, I think more than anything, it's a cool narrative on how Anna is more dangerous than anyone believes, and not necessarily because she herself is like Eugene or K2 or Sejun. Like, she is not on their level, as we previously stated, but she is the most dangerous weapon on this giant game board that they're playing on, and so she's pretty dangerous herself, and she's not always the most innocent. 
Or predictable. Or predictable. She's the least predictable. Or rather, <laughs> at, at this point, I can pretty much predict that whatever she does, it's going to be inadvisable. But I don't know what it's gonna be. Yeah. Okay. So let's try and break down some of these conspiracy storylines, like, on us throughout the episodes. And we don't... Let's try and get, like, the arch for one character through these four episodes. I say we start with Kwon because K2 and Yujin come to an agreement that maybe... I think Yujin has this line, a bullet isn't the only thing that can kill a person. And that's super dark. She decides that she wants to instead take away Kwon Su's dream of becoming president and not actually kill him. And that lasts for like a day. Yeah. Uh, pretty quickly they decide to kill him. What does Kwon Su do? What does he do that makes her kill him? I think it has something to do with how Sejun submitted himself to investigation and then out of nowhere they apparently found something that no one was expecting them to find and it's sort of because uh shoot I already forgot his name we've said it like six times <laughs> Kwon Su yeah Kwon Su uh has his puppet strings attached to some of the police officers and like investigators and okay. so he gets taken back into custody, and his reputation is getting soiled, and Eugene is, like, done with that, so it's time to do some murder. Time to do some murder. So they're like, he's obviously going to be very protected after this big move that he just made, so we're going to send in the K2. I think first they lay out the trap of the head of JSS security going to the police chief and saying, I want to take out an insurance policy. I want to be on Team Kwansu now. I can see that he's winning, and I think that would be a good idea. And we find out that that is a trap just to get information about like where Kwansu's hideout is and what he's going to be doing as far as security measures. So they send out their best team with K2 to follow Kwon Su to his hideout that night. And there's this, like, big spy scene where the cars are switching and it's really cool and you think that they're being tricked the whole time. And they're not. They're not being tricked. K2's so, way too smart for that. K2 and Eugene know what's up. So they get to the hideout and the plan goes fine. Except that it ends up that the K2 is the only one in the room, in the safe room, with Kwon Su. And that sucks because he can't pull the trigger. Yeah, that sucks a lot. <laughs> Poor guy. It's, uh, Ji Chang Wook's uh, acting at that part is so good because it looks like he's going to physically explode at one point, And he still can't pull the trigger. And I just thought that that was such a good moment for him presenting this internal battle that he can't win. And oh. in the end, he has to uh, he has to front real hard. K two does, and 
pretend like he just wants to see how much he can get paid, which is such a cool plan when you like cannot fire a gun, but you still want to destroy someone. Oh, he's so clever. Because I, you worry about him so much in that moment. I'm like, how? Because everyone's like, he's not going to get out of there alive. And he's like, that's fine, as long as Kwon doesn't either. But at this point, you're like, well, you'd have to be the one to kill him. So obviously he's going to get out alive. So what's going to happen to you? And he's like, I'll call my employer because I'm a professional and I want to make arrangements. And it's, I don't. I'm not that clever. I just didn't know what was going to happen. And yeah. I love how in sync he and Eugene are. Yeah, because they're both immediately doing that telekinetic thing where she's thinking, she's like, oh, he's the only one in the room. I know what's wrong. How can I fix this? And mm-hmm. it gives me the greatest appreciation, kind of going back to that, how well matched in intelligence the K2 and Eugene are. I just love that kinship that they build out of their ability to think fast and uh, destroy people in different ways. <laughs> Hugens yeah. is a lot more malicious. Usually the K2s is a lot more protective. But it's just so awesome to watch them work together. I want to watch it forever. You got four more episodes. Four more episodes. I guess that's like forever. But it's so cool. They think on their feet and they send them out with a bag of money, which is a pretty good ending to, I don't know, you don't think he's going to die. It's only like episode 10 that this happens. So you're not like, K2 is going to die. But they play it like he is. So there's a little bit of anxiety there. I really like um, the way that entire portion kind of turned into like a bro cop movie too oh my god me and Raquel are always there for the bromance yep. like number one of any k-drama our priority is the bromance yeah give me a good good friendship I will always be ready for it and they did it they pulled through Thanks, he guys. finally got a friend and he calls him older brother And I just died. I melted. I know. And then the older brother friend just gives him a great big hug. And the K2 doesn't know how to be vulnerable with other men. (laughs) And so he panics. Or anybody. Or anyone, really. Which is fair, because I feel like he can't be vulnerable with Anna. She's got so many problems. She cannot take care of him at all. No, she needs to have all the vulnerability. There is a part, it's maybe the most romantic scene, at least to this point in my mind, when they're on the roof, and she finally acknowledges that he has his own problems. After she, like, there's a point where she sees him have a nightmare, and she, I don't know, doesn't handle it super great. It's not like it goes super poorly either. But anyway, later she asks about Rania kind of in a roundabout way. They never have, like, a deep talk about it. But for once, she acknowledges another person's vulnerabilities and what what's kind of eating them up inside. And it feels real nice to watch her be marginally selfless for a minute. For, like, one second. <laughs> like, honestly, Anna, you're <laughs> the most self-absorbed person. Yeah. 
like she asks that question about like what were you doing in Spain and you're like you don't know a single thing about this person do you you're just so used to Eugene who's like wow I know super everything about you yep and <laughs> oh it's, it's just so shocking you just forget that Anna does not know anything about him and it's like fine and cute that she has a crush on him and it's fine and cute that he has a crush on her but there is no information exchange right and then all of a sudden they keep on referring at least i don't know if the translation is the same on drama fever but they keep referring to each other as like or other people refer to them as the woman you love the one you love the man you love and i'm like what love they are in puppy love at best it feels like Seriously know nothing about each other, so I don't know how it can be love. He just likes to protect people, and she likes to be protected, so match (laughs) made in heaven. Okay, I just want to say, because I just remembered as we were talking about it, if it wasn't clear to anyone, because a lot of this stuff goes over my head, especially the first time we watched it. So it seems like we saw, at the end of episode 8... Um, Kwan Su was looking at a file of the K2, and he's like, oh, so it was this guy. And you kind of forget about that scene because they don't mention it at all. But it leads him to getting, um, kind of, he, he like, kind of blackmails the president and the president's chief advisor into pressuring the prosecutor's office into charging Jung, uh, Jung Sejun? Is that his full name? Yeah, Jung Sejun. Jung Sejun and keeping him in the prosecutor's office. That's the series of events that we need to know what happened. Okay, because yeah, I didn't know what information he had either. I That went over my head as well. I just knew he had some information... And at this point, sometimes it just feels like that's all you need to know. Whenever someone makes a power play, usually it's because they they gleaned something important and they have every right to make that power play. Yeah, that's my guess because they never spell it out. Like, I usually very much need a drama to spell things out. But there is no mention of Kwansu having the K2's file, except that when they're talking, he knows, like, a little bit about his history. But I think that in his file, it probably says that he's, I don't know, not supposed to be in Korea. He's supposed to be in prison somewhere. Oh, so he is the ammunition. That makes so much sense. Holy cow. Right? Yeah. Right? But they don't mention it at all, except that um, I think it was, the, like, the head of security for JSS tells Eugene, like, it seems like they're threatening the presidential office to keep Sejun in the prosecutor's office. All right. Okay. Well. Plan K, we're useful for something. Yeah, Eureka. <laughs> we got you. We got you. Okay. All right. That's at least like two or three episodes of Kwan Su's storyline. I'm sure we'll jump back to him in like. 11 and 12, but, oh no, it was episode 11 that they 
go on the mission. All right, so we'll jump back to him in episode 12 when we wrap up with that. But let's do one of the other conspiracy storylines, because there's a couple. Uh, do you want to do um, Choi Sung-won next? Yes. Because he, this is where his storyline breaks bad. He seemed <laughs> like a pretty, I don't know, magnanimous character up until these last four episodes. I love that Master Song just straight up tells KT, like, no, he's, like, way more clever than Eugene. He's just clever enough to act nice all the time. Yeah. That's part of his ploy. Like, he's much more scary in that you can't read him. The smile yeah. on his face could mean anything. Eugene kind of wears her emotions, and you know what she wants and what she hates, but... I'm just going to call him Uncle Choi because I did not write down his name. And I think that's fine. He's all of our uncles. Yeah, we call him Uncle here. <laughs> Uncle Choi. So, yeah, Uncle Choi's storyline gets super cray. Yeah. And he so he starts off with a super power play where he essentially recruits Anna. And I, this was the first part that made me mad at Anna, but we'll come back to her. Um, mm -hmm. Because he is brilliant, and he utilizes the relationship that Eugen is trying to fake between her and Anna to have a fair reason to invite Anna over to his house to stay for a little while. And because Anna wants to get away from Eugen's power, she accepts that. After he takes her for treatment, quotation marks, quote-unquote treatment, at a hospital, because I feel like, I don't know. For an anxiety disorder, I'm pretty sure, first of all, one quick meeting doesn't really help that much. And that was the point at which he was able to separate her from the K2 and convince her that his idea was a great idea. See, that's the part I don't get. That one second before they go to the meeting, she's like, the only person that I trust in this situation is the K2. I don't move unless he tells me to move. And for like an hour, they stay together. And then Uncle Troy's like, come on, K2, I want to talk to you. And he's like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to leave Miran, even though nobody can trust Miran for anything. She's fairly useless. She's pretty much the most useless. And then when he's gone, they're just like, okay, Anna, I'm sorry the K2 is not here, but uh, he told us that he really wanted to play hide and seek. So we're going to hide and he's going to find us. And that'll be like a cute little flirty game. And she's like, yes, he loves games. <laughs> Let's play. If there's one thing I know about the K2, he's a fun loving guy. He seems to love things. So, um, yeah, so seems let's like hide. a good plan. I don't understand. I don't understand how, one second, she's like, the only person that I can trust is this one. And then the next, they're like, let's abandon him. And she's like, you got it. Let's go. Yeah. It's insane. She's insane. I don't know. That's not a nice thing to say about someone, but I just, like, can't with her. 
because it yeah. makes no sense. He she plays right into his hand, and his hand leads them to some dark places. Because in order to get on a back, Eugene uh, pretty much decides to go go the full murder, which is a terrible idea. Mostly Eugene's secretary, Chief Kim, decides to go full murder, and Eugene is fine with that. Remember how in Huayugi, the secretary was always like, I'm gonna kill him. And we thought it was so amusing and cute. <laughs> in this show, Chief Kim, who I think of often as Secretary Kim, because what does she really do? Not much. Uh, she's often like, I'm gonna kill him. And I'm like, Chief Kim, simmer down, you're nothing. <laughs> For like, real, though, she's the most murdery. Somehow, someone is a little more murdery than Eugen, and that's just amazing, because Eugen does not mind getting some blood on her subordinate's hands. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, Choi decides to move them back to the safe house, and that's all still part of his plan somehow. Yeah. I really liked that they spent, like, 12 hours in his cool beach house that was just supposed to be the romance part of the show, I think. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it was a definite waste of time. It's hard because I'm in K-dramas for the romance, but for some reason in this show, I'm just like, yeah, me, Ron, and J2. Those are my... That's my couple of the year. Yeah, their romance resonates a lot more with me as well. And even then, I don't really want to see that much of it. Like, I feel yeah. like they've given us just enough. Yeah, they gave us one cute scene, and now I'm like, yeah, now you're back to being professionals. Good for you. You have to work together. <laughs> Keep it real. But, uh, I don't know. It's just a lot on the beach, but... Also nothing. Also nothing happened. Except K2 and Anna being kind of cute. Yeah. And even then, I still hate how she runs, but the way he runs on that beach. Oh! I underlined it so many times. <laughs> I wrote, she's very graceful, but he's like a powerhouse. Yeah. Like, you want to say it's like a cheetah and a gazelle, but it's more like a cheetah and a horse. Like, she's a good runner. Yeah. And she's then, beautiful and graceful, but he's, like, out. He's on the hunt. He's on the hunt. He's such a good runner. Do not ask him to chase you. You played a dangerous game. Have we ever mentioned that we love Ji Chang Wook's running? Yeah, about the last half of the last episode. And <laughs> if anyone wants to include the... The clip of him running from on the beach in that little compilation video that you're building for the Play on K website, it would be much appreciated. Yeah. Just give us some good, good gifs of him running. Um, but the cliffhanger between episode 9 and 10 was just after their hug, and they're like walking toward the door of Anna's room. And I hated that scene so much. Remember how for five minutes we had to watch the will-they-won't-they they scene, and it was the stupidest will-they-won't-they they I've ever seen? It was so long, and then there was 
I don't know. No gratifying ending. There was technically an ending where Anna just gets on the walkie-talkie and is like, "Good night." But what? What is that? We just wasted. Like, can you imagine watching this show as it came out and being like, "What a cliffhanger! They're totally gonna kiss," and then the next time being like, "That." Psych. Would you ever watch this show again? Would you just turn it off right there? <laughs> yeah, I think at that point, and it's funny because this is still my favorite K-drama I've ever seen. And if that happened to me and I had to wait another week to see more and all I got was that last five minutes as a cliffhanger, oh my god, I'd be so through. I'd be so mad. Can you imagine if Game of Thrones tried to end one of their episodes with just five minutes of will they, won't they? And yes. No. No. Nobody would ever watch it. Ever again. Man, I'm sorry I got so sidetracked. We're talking about Uncle Choi's storyline for these past two episodes. Past um, four episodes. I think it's fair to wrap it up just by kind of saying, like, he has some plans and he's using Anna as... They say it a couple of times in the K-drama. He he claims that she's a shield, but she's obviously a knife he's wielding against Eugene, and it's becoming more and more dangerous, and he's really good at it. But by the end, Eugene finds a way to sort of steal that thunder. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I think... So... Chua... Chua... What? How do you pronounce it? Choi. I'm gonna call him Choi. Why am I like this? Chua. Chua, as we say. Okay, Uncle Choi. Uncle Choi. Kidnaps Anna. Then he releases a story in the newspaper. Oh, oh I forgot wait. about even mentioning that. He has a lot going on these episodes. Yeah, because it's all episode 12. It's. I was like... There's no notes in any of these episodes about Uncle Choi. But it's all episode 12. Like, he gets busy. And he does um, a good job. He learns how to give Anna drugs and in a way that she will constantly take them. Why is she a drug addict now? She's so frustrating. Why is she like this? Yeah. The K2's like, um, please don't be like this. And she's like, I'm nervous. Give me my, my drug. Like, trust me, I've met a doctor once. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> she didn't give me these, but someone else I trust did. What is that? What uh, are you okay. doing? So he puts it in a fashion show at some point. Uh, that's fine. Her fashion is fine. I don't feel like it was the fashion show that I want to see from a K-drama. Right. Uh, whatever. But it was fine. But it seems to be like a trick where he drugs her up and then flashes a light in her eyes so she passes out. But the K2 catches her. So, like, she's fine. I also Nothing don't know really what that accomplishes. Yeah. I don't know if it was all ruined by him catching her. If she was just supposed to, like, fall off the platform into the pool. I don't know. I don't know what the plan was, but it doesn't seem to have happened, because nothing happened. So, after that, he sneaks Anna... No, before that, because it's when she's supposed to be getting her makeup for the show, that he takes her to prison, and they meet this guy that's like, I was there that night, and Eugene was the one that killed your mom. 
and Anna freaks out. She has a meltdown. Like, for sure I'm going to trust this rando that my skeezy uncle introduced me to. (laughs) I'll trust anyone. She's very trusting, except of Eugene. So it was definitely Eugene that killed her mom. So she's got plans in the work to murder Eugene. And Uncle Troy's like, hold your horses. We're going to release an article. That trashes everyone you love, but also trashes Eugene. So it's fine. So it's fine. Um, That's his plan. It works out seemingly fine. Because it makes Eugene straight up pass out. Yeah, like cannot handle the pressure and that's a lot coming from someone as ruthless as Eugene yeah she doesn't handle pressure super well for someone who's like also the world's scariest person (laughs) she can't take it as well as she can dish it that's for dang sure but then uh, Uncle Choi goes to visit her in the hospital and I think their conversation is a little bit of Eugene being like, you can attack me, but just know that your father-in-law is also attacking you. And he's like, oh, I know. I know who all my enemies are. And he thinks he's still doing okay, I'm pretty sure. Which, I mean, so far he is. Up to that point. Yeah, so... If you're Team Uncle Choi, let us know. He's doing pretty okay up until this point. Yeah. There's a lot of teams to be on. I'm We're definitely... clearly Team Eugene or K2. Yeah, forever. Like, like, obviously I'm on the good guy camp with K2, but that said, would I die for Eugene? Maybe. <laughs> but also would K2? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. So we're really just on K2's team. Yep. Um, that... Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I think that's all for Uncle Troy's storyline. That's He's also what I was going to say. Event. Whoa! <laughs> we should have just said it at the same time and gone for it. <laughs> it would have been gibberish nothing, because I know we wouldn't have said the same words, but it would have been fun. Yeah, people would have gotten gist. Um. So, there are two scenes in particular that I want to talk about with uh, Sejun. So it may be worth, because one of them is the the cliffhanger for episode 12. Do you want to save Sejun till the end? No, let's go for it. Let's do him now. Okay. So the first is when he gets out of being held during the investigation and he finds out that Eugen tried to murder Anna. And he flies off the handle, gets home, and immediately delivers the most breathtaking strike to Eugene's face. And I was... I I I don't blame her for wanting to kill him. Yeah. Uh, If there was any part of me that was like, I don't know, maybe Sejun isn't that bad of a dude. Like, he's just... Like, he's not a great person, but he's in the circumstances he's in. Because that's really where I fall for most of the K-drama. But uh, domestic abuse is always awful, even if your wife is kind of a murderess. 
Um, and also, her reaction to that is just about everything I could have wanted. Because, yeah, it sucks that she got hit, but by the end, she pretty much says, you know, I could just order to have your hand chopped off, but you'll probably need it for the handshake, so you hold on to it, and when you're done with this campaign, I'll take it back. Yeah. Yes. Oh. And throughout the conversation, she's like, you know, I could leave you for Kwansu anytime. I think he'd be understanding of why I came to him. And you're the and you're same. Like, oh, you never think, yeah, you never think that Sejun and Kwansu are on the same level. You always think of Kwansu and Eugene on the same level, almost. But Sejun is the real competitor for Kwansu. Yeah. And the fact that she's like, I could switch teams, and we would be a freaking powerhouse against you. It's a real revelation. Yeah, because honestly, like, what does he do? Technically, Kwansu would be a better teammate in the sense that Kwansu is, like, making plans, and some of them are decent. I mean, obviously, yeah. he's the baddest bad guy here. But... And he's always a, a little bit behind Eugen, so he seems like kind of a buffoon. Yeah. But, but he that's holds sad. his own most of the time. Yeah, and like, what's Sejun doing? Like, he spent nothing. The he's past so dumb. Three episodes just like being held in a jail cell, a cell, and being like vaguely charming to the prosecutor. And the episodes before that, basically just sleeping around. Yeah, like, and causing problems and messes that Eugen just has to clean up anyway. So, really, what even is he? What even is he? Just kill him. And then the other scene is where Eugen's storyline goes, and uh, that is when she decides she's over all of this, like, pretending one way or the other after that tabloid article comes out that Uncle Choi wrote, she's done. And so she just tells the truth in front of the police station about who Anna is related to. I love when she plays her truth card. Yeah. It feels so much more powerful than any of her lies. When she, she reminds everyone that her greatest weakness is not something that she's willing to hide. Like, she, she's done with it. And yeah, it's a power play. God, it's so cool. What a good cliffhanger. Good job, Eugene. You're always ahead of all of us. I want to see where this goes. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited, and I'm a little sad that we have to watch the final four episodes of this. Like, we have to... Say goodbye to that. It's so crazy that it's all coming to an end. Yeah. It went so fast. Yeah. So much faster than the first time. Maybe it's because I watched them all in one day. I don't know if anybody else does that. Just like, I guess when I listen to different Korean drama podcasts I'll just like binge watch the episodes that they tell me to watch and then I'll listen to the podcast and then I'll binge watch more episodes so I wonder if people do that for our podcast or if they watch it like a 
normal person should. Yeah. And watch one hour of K-dramas a day. And then listen to our podcast once a week. If they do, they have the restraint of gods. Because I don't have, like, I'm a, both a K-drama binge watcher and a podcast binge listener. So... It gets it tricky. It all comes at once. Yep. <laughs> it's a flood. So it made this K-drama go by so much faster. Because I think the first time we watched it, we were normal people that would just watch a K-drama, like, once a day. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think it went on for a while, and we would talk about it every day. We'd, like, go for runs, but mostly they were walks where we talked about the K-2. <laughs> Those are the days, guys. Does anybody else lead a normal life anymore? Or are you all addicted to the internet like we are? Man, I've never... I, I don't know if I've met anyone who's not addicted to the internet. It's not a thing anymore. Internet is the new thing. Everybody, let's hop on Second Life. <laughs> Live our lives on the internet. Just Ooh. kidding. Second Life seems like an interesting place. If that's like... Your place, that's cool. I don't think I could get with it. I have no idea what it is, actually. I just, like, I pretend to know what it is so I can keep my cool with Raquel. <laughs> it's, just a video, it's just a video game, essentially, where people get on and live their second life. Oh, kind of like The Sims, but about you? Yeah, it's like The Sims meets World of Warcraft with less uh, war. Hmm... Okay. I can get behind that. <laughs> Alright. Who else? Do we need to do Eugene? I feel like she's kind of the victim in these four episodes. She's not Ranya. Calm yourself down, Eugene. But she is a little bit of a victim. I feel like we have talked a lot about Eugene through other people, but she does. she has some rough episodes. Like... It's it's a lot of ups and downs where she gets pretty shaken and then she makes a bit of a comeback with the help of the K2 and then she gets shaken again. Um, oh, yeah. there is one pretty important scene where the master comes in to discuss, like, she thinks he's come to just visit her, which is actually sweet. It's like a really sweet moment because- That's so cute. Eugen needs more people that are just there for her. But once again, that kind of proves to not be a thing in her life. <sighs> and he's there to tell her that if she keeps trying to murder Anna, he's going to uh, tell the truth about who murdered Anna's mom. So he knows the truth. Yeah, because K2 confronted Eugene about it, and she's like, I didn't do it, but I know who did. And I guess also Master Song knows. They're the only two that know, probably. Yeah. Oh, I love Master Song. Why do I love him so much? Cause he's... I didn't think he'd be this big of a character when I first saw him. Right, and he's so... Yeah, he's kind of a dark horse in that way, right? Like, you don't yeah. see him being much of a thing besides comedic relief, and then one day he's dropping some wisdom, and, like, also... Ha has his fingers in more pies than you think. Because he's been around forever. So yeah. he knows all the secrets. 
so good. His I love bald him head so much. Full of secrets. His bald head is full of secrets. Um, there's this is more of a comic relief scene, I guess, in a way. There's another scene with Master Song, not with Eugene. It's when he first meets Anna, and he's like, "Do you want me to teach you self defense?" And she's like, "For sure." And I feel like it was a lesson in self-defense for all of us. Did anybody else take that as such an important moment? I sure did, because similarly to Anna, there is one thing we have in common, and that is that I am very weak. I am made of noodle limbs and a doughy center. (laughs) Yeah. I cannot defend myself. And he's like, you don't have to. You just, you stare them in the eyes. You stare them in the eyes. And then you poke him. Like, <laughs> Master Song is the best. Are you That's strong such enough good advice. to twist a pinky finger? Then you're strong enough to defend yourself. Yes. Because we all know a kick to the groin will take a man down. But I just love the advice of like, if you look someone in the eye, they will most likely stare you back. They'll probably keep eye contact. And then you just hit them. You strike. I feel like Anna had one chance to use any of that, too. And I, like, had this great big hope that at the point when the K2 is kind of losing the battle in the the poisoned room, like, the air is filling with gas, and um, he's losing that battle, and she kind of comes to the rescue, and she does, like, a little bit. And I really thought that, like that guy would turn the corner and she would do something like grab his pinky finger or, like, kick him. Whoa, Raquel, you had so much higher expectations than I did. That's such a good idea of what could have happened. Yeah, like, wouldn't that be cool storytelling if they brought that back? Like, remember that time Master Song was like, hey, do this if you ever need to defend yourself. And then she actually did it instead of just being like, wake up, Jeha, wake up, Jeha. Oh my god. (laughs) that would have been so good because i love that master song is a comedic relief character and i like him as a person but i hate that he's kind of a joke sometimes because he's supposed to be the leader of this amazing group of individuals he can kick butt he's like the og yeah he's like the og and he's supposed to be the one that teaches them but we never see him being I don't know. I guess sometimes he's respected. But we never see people being like, yeah, Master Song taught me that move. Yeah, typically he's just the guy that they uh, don't want to come along. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like the kid at school that like you you invite along because you like them. You know they bring something to the table, but also you're worried they'll get in the way. Yeah. I say, yeah, I'm like, I was probably that kid. Yeah, I was definitely that kid. I said it (laughs) as it was coming out of my mouth. I was like, I was the kid. Flashbacks of like, who was that kid in the group? (laughs) I can't think of anyone. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. I don't think every, every school has that kid either. I don't think that was a universal experience. I'm pretty sure I was just that kid. It's fine. Okay, we're Master Song now. We've grown so much. <laughs> so Master Song is ripped. I don't. So 
Yeah, that would have been a really cool storytelling moment to be like, Anna listened and she understood and she's going to put into practice what she learned today. But instead, it was a dumb moment where she was more useless than ever. Yep, she just became a weakness again. I don't know. It's good she went back. Yeah, it's nice that she helped him out. And when he saved her, she gave him the last gas mask, which was like, dang. Yeah. That's that's a bit of devotion that I didn't know if you had. Yeah, it was surprising. It was surprisingly altruistic of her. It's that hard thing where you're still like, but I know you still think of him as a bodyguard in some ways. Like, whether you love him or not, you know that he's protecting you more than anyone else. So to save him is also to save yourself. Yeah. So and you're like, mm, is it that altruistic? I don't know. That's a big thing, too. She she seems to feel pretty entitled to protection, which is frustrating, because she's entitled to the protection, or acts so, and then she, yeah... Like, does some really dangerous stuff. Yeah. But she's like, it's fine. The K2's right behind me. And he's like, I have no idea where you are or what you're doing. I think she says it to his face at one point. She, like, looks him in his face and is like, it's fine. You'll protect me. Yes, she does that a lot. And I'm so mad. Like, he shouldn't have to. Just don't do the dangerous thing. Don't do dumb things, and then he won't be put out so much. I don't know. All right, let's talk about their relationship storyline. I feel like that's the last one we really need to cover, because there's a lot more romance in these episodes. So much. And I feel like we've just been getting down on it this whole time. Like, there's some real stupid moments between their romance. But there's also some really cute, tender moments. Yeah, their first kiss is nice. It's weird because I don't really understand how a blanket makes you feel more safe when you're walking outdoors. In my mind, I'm like, that just means I can't see the threat coming. (laughs) There's plenty of guards around, so I think they felt safe enough. And she was probably just, it's probably based on her phobia of the light. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fair. Being like, I just don't want to be in a bright light. So I thought that was so cute and very intuitive of him. Like, I don't know how many people he's been around who've had panic disorders. But I was like, that's really clever, Jaha. Like, you're thinking beyond my level. Yeah. And so just be like, do you want me to drive really close to the door? I don't know. <laughs> what do you need? Like, uh, you tell me because I don't, I can't into it this yeah but then they start making out in the living room and that's like guys you're not a secret yeah under a blanket (laughs) um but the lead up to that was real shake cam and i kind of hated it yeah not a fan of shake cam Jaha just had to hold a camera like, I think in that's front of them. what they did. I think <laughs> they really did that. <laughs> I really doubt it. <laughs> but I'm like, you're changing the lights a lot, kind of doing that flickering like lights and shadows. And I'm like, they're walking across the driveway, so I don't feel like they're walking under any trees that would cast shadows. 
I just assume you're doing it for the effect to show that they're walking when they're not actually walking. So why is the camera shaking so much if they're not actually walking? Why not just get a stable camera and put the blanket over it? Yeah. And have them stand it. I don't understand. I'm such a good TV producer. Why don't they hire me? <laughs> Why aren't we just out? making our own K-drama right now? <laughs> they don't understand. <laughs> Stop with the shake cam. But anyways, it was cute. It was finally... It was a work in progress, and it finally happened. There were a lot of maybe moments between them. I hated the romance scene where she let Miran do her makeup. What? What? Miran? I thought it was supposed to be comedy, but I hate comedy where, like, they make someone look like a clown. And then act like a child to someone who's about to go do dangerous stuff in their honor. It's just a lot. I appreciate his reaction because it was very subdued. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like laughing at her, but he also wasn't impressed at all. Right. It wasn't like he he smiled afterward and was like, "Oh, gee, how sweet." I which is good because if he had, it would have been way too out of character. I just don't feel like yeah. K two is that into people childishly flirting and making demands. Yeah, I thought it was a really cute phone call because it came after his nightmare where he hugged her and she was like, cool, I'm a run. <laughs> and then, so it was, it was kind of on her to make the next move. And so she sends him this, oh, this picture. It's a, I've never seen Imuna look bad until that picture. Yeah, it's a lot. She it's looked awesome. bad. And then she calls him up and she's like, you're mine, okay? And he's like, all right. I don't know. He says it so much cooler than I do because he's into it without being, like, I don't know, girlishly happy about it. Right. He's just, like, understood. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sweet later when she's like, if you're mine, then you need to be taking care of yourself. Like, it's not just up to you. But that said, he got beat up protecting her. So part of me is like, how about shove it oh wait no i think that's after uh he i think he was trying to murder kwan su yeah when you're right you're right yep (laughs) um but either way it's still like kind of i get it i get that she's like you need to be more careful but also i don't know at this point if you don't understand that he like leads a dangerous life where he gets in a lot of fights you haven't been paying attention. But that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole show. Probably my favorite romance scene. Maybe comedy scene. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, you're hurt. And I know you're hurt. And she tries to take off his shirt. And he's like, I'm not ready for this. It's too soon. It's too soon. And it's the sweetest, most pure moment that you've ever seen from Jeha or probably anybody. Yeah. Don't get that in American television. They would have already definitely slept together if it was American television. And in this moment, he's like, no, wait, no, it's too soon. That's so precious. It is. It's very pure. It's very wholesome. (laughs) This show's too good. 
And I think that was at the sleepover, which was another really cute scene. Not really. I mean, Jeha and Anna were cute going out to eat dinner like normal people. But it was that bromance thing. Yeah. Where they, they have dinner as a team, and then they do facials as a team, and then they have a sleepover as a team. And Jeha doesn't like sleepovers. I said probably... He wasn't invited to any sleepovers as a kid. So maybe that's why he hates them so much. He just doesn't know how to have them. He doesn't know how to have them. So he feels left out in a way. So he up and leaves and goes to see his girlfriend, which, I mean, that's kind of a token sleepover move. Yeah, so maybe he is doing it right. Good for you, Jaya. <laughs> My bad. Maybe you have been to a sleepover or two. <laughs> But that that whole scene, that whole five minutes, I think for me it was way better than the scenes at the beach house, which were supposed to be equally as cute. But I liked the scenes at the safe house better because I thought they were more realistic. Yeah, I agree. Not in a way that real life is realistic, but just, just in a way, <laughs> just m- vaguely, like in a general sense, more realistic. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know. I want to know if any of our listeners are like, you guys are really trashing on that beach house. So I'm like, it was fine. I really liked that Mira got to kiss the J2. I think that is my favorite part. But I don't really care about the rest of it. Yeah, and for me, it doesn't help that the beach house leads up to like, or the lead up to the beach house is the part where the K2 is having a come apart because Anna decided the fun game would be to play hide-and-seek. And And he doesn't know that they're just having a fun game. And then I'm so frustrated by the end of it when he walks in and she's just like, what took you so long? And I know it's supposed to- Oh my god! (laughs) No, Anna, you don't get to say that. And I, yeah, I know it's supposed to be like flirty and it's supposed to diffuse the situation, but for me, it ignited my blood. I was so mad. Look at the pure, sheer terror in his eyes, thinking that you would be freaking tied to a chair with a handkerchief over your mouth. Like, he thinks that you're dying, and you're like, <laughs> joke's on you, I wasn't dying, I was part of the plan. And you're like, that's not a joke, you asked him to protect you, everyone has asked him to protect you, and you're running from him. Yeah, and then acting very smug. Holy cow. Yeah, I was furious. Yeah. Anyway. I'm a little peeved by that, which, yeah, started off the beach house scenes. And then we're just supposed to, like, calm down and take in the romance, and I'm, I wasn't <laughs> ready to calm down and take in the romance. Worked up still. I don't know. What else? What else is there? Oh, are there any other good romance scenes that we're missing out on? There's one when it's before they go to dinner and right after he gets back from his talk with Kwan Su where he meets Anna in the driveway and they just hug. And I love that Miran and the housekeeper, I don't know her name, they're watching them and they're like, 
why do they look like a scene from a movie? And she's like, it's just because they're both incredibly attractive. <laughs> like, obviously. Anything they do would look like a scene from a movie. Because, God, look at those people. Uh Oh, speaking of people who are gorgeous humans, uh, freaking... K2 gets a makeover, and all they do is push his hair out of his face, <laughs> and immediately, I was, I already think Ji Chang-wook is an incredibly attractive human being, and then they just push his hair out of his eyes, and immediately, I'm just blown away. Like, so handsome. Like so handsome. What a handsome boy. What a handsome boy, that Ji Chang-wook. I love that excuse, that they just, like... Oh, is this your bodyguard slash boyfriend? And Anna's like, yeah. And they're like, well, if he's going to stand next to you, he's going to look dang good doing it. Because they could have... I felt like they just needed any excuse to make Ji Chang look just look even better. Right. And they did it. They gave him this beautiful suit. And they pushed back his hair. And he looks flawless. And we were all done for. He's we a... were all done for. Good job, K2. If you don't... Kill him with your fists, you'll kill him with your looks. <laughs> I don't, I feel like Anna was supposed to get a makeover in that scene. And I think it's just the difference between Korean and American beauty standards, where I was like waiting for her hair to be totally different and her makeup to be a lot more dramatic. And they're just like, no, she's like naturally the most beautiful person. So we're kind of just going to go with what she's got. Yeah, like, there's not much more we could do. She is pretty much flawless. And her clothes game has been upped a lot these past couple episodes, but the fashion show is, like, so disappointed. Just a little bit. The white dress she wore, I thought was beautiful. But then they're, like, the angel outfit, the one piece to rule them all, and and it's, it's like... The freaking sweater dress with like a patch sewn on the front. <laughs> I'm no designer, so I should not be trashing this look. But guys, were you also disappointed? Yeah, like I don't know. There's a thousand different things that they could have. There are there's infinite variations of clothing that they could have used, and I feel like they chose, if not a poor one, then at least like a like a subpar. Like, I just, it was, it was clothes. Congratulations. Like, you you threw some clothing on her. She looks good in anything, so she looks good. Yeah. Like, what? I'm so mad. I will never get over that, because they put angel wings on her. So you're like, whoa, she's supposed to be this stunning angel. I don't know. You only really see angel wings in the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Which is like, obviously, they're not going to put Anna in just a bra and underwear for a fashion show. Right. They have, like, the most intricate, beautiful pieces on these models for the Victoria's Secret fashion show. So to just have the most contrasting, like, just this big, shapeless sweater. Yeah. It's like, what? It's moments like that where I'm not sure if I just don't understand fashion to get it, or if, like, it genuinely was just kind of a lazy choice. I I don't know. I just didn't like it. I, yeah. I thought they could have just sent her out in the same dress that she wore and put wings on her. 
Yeah, and it would have been pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's like the last romantic scene with them is that Ji Ching Wook runs across the water. I said, like Jesus, <laughs> to save her. <laughs> Take good notes. Took good notes this week, guys. You did. Got take some good jokes notes. in there. Emily brought the jokes today. I brought the jokes because we say so many jokes as we watch this show, especially when we watch it together. And then we just forget about him. Yeah, and then we just come on, we talk for an hour, and then we uh, walk away. Yeah, so we'll try and bring more jokes. Yeah, I need to remember to write my jokes down, too, because I think of some stuff throughout the thing, and then I'm like, all right, well, I'll definitely remember these. I'm <laughs> very funny. Remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's their last romantic moment. Because, honestly, how romantic can they be? She's a mess, and he's um, a secret man that she knows nothing about. And together, they, they're really something. What are they? I don't know. Something. Something. <laughs> that, that covers everything that I wanted to say for these four episodes. Yeah, I think that's everything. If you guys wanted to talk about something else, because a lot happened, I feel like definitely... Looking back, I'll be like, oh, that was pretty important to bring up. So if we missed anything, you can just email us uh, about it. We are uh, playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on our website. That way everyone can see it and we can reply to your comments and be like, yes, we would have said this about that moment if we had talked about it. So leave a comment on the episode at playonk.com. Yeah, or um, you can rate and review us. We're on iTunes. We're just play on K. Uh, we could use some ratings and reviews, so if you have a minute and you like the show, please drop by. It would help out a lot. Or you can find us on Twitter, and you can tweet at us at play on K and be like, I just don't understand why you don't talk about Chief Joe very much. He is honestly my favorite character. <laughs> or any character. Any character you want. Anything you want. Anything Let us know <laughs> on Twitter what we're doing well and what we're doing poorly and what you wanted us to talk about. And, and we'll, we'll tweet back at you. Yes, we would love to tweet at someone instead of just ourselves. <laughs> From our private accounts to our Plan K account. <laughs> so yeah, get in touch with us. Um, also... We love our theme song. You'll, you you heard it before, and you're going to hear it now. Uh, it's James Hevel. He's amazing. He did this theme song for us that we love. Thank you so much, James. And thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Uh, we will be back next week for the finale of the K2. Woo, the last four episodes. All right, hang in there. Good luck. It's going to be a roller coaster. <laughs> and we'll see you in a week. Bye. Bye. Pop.